0: Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kel, with me as always is my brother Brendan, together we make movies with DBS Films. Today's episode, we are talking about why we revisit the concepts we've already done, for our movies, I think this is something that is very critical in the sense of a 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 version, and it's really something that you don't see too much in the indie making um, arena as much, or just the general concept of filmmaking. So, we're going to talk about that in this episode. And next episode, as always, be sure to take a look at our Discord channel online. Right now, we currently have auditions for our newest feature film, we are calling it The Girl in Cabin 14. And we have made The Girl in Cabin 13. So that's kind of the reason why we are exploring the subject right now. If you're listening to this right now, you can join our Discord channel. You can audition for our movie and you could potentially be on set with us. So let's hop right into this. Um, I think this is something very, very weird with film. There's a lot of weird things with filmmaking that we always talk about. One of the big ones is how everyone thinks they could be a filmmaker, even though they've never done it. So it's kind of like, again, you know, watch going to a concert, never playing an instrument, being like, let me get up there. I can do it better but i think another thing that kind of comes up is filmmakers really try to act like they can come up with a very original completely never been done concept and when you really look at all of the other arts you never really have this n- level of pushback at some point in times with it where you know a lot of the other arts again we'll go to music making you kind of build on those fundamentals you know you build on whatever the chords are you build on the notes you build on the progressions you build on the scales you look at painting you build on the fundamentals you build on colors you 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 basically build up what does work and in filmmaking you have this weird mindset where people are like i am completely different and i'm making this completely unique idea so i think i want to start with that cuz i think that overall mindset is kind of why people aren't you know actively reworking their own idea they're always searching for that completely lost story that's never been told
1: yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and it just comes from the philosophy that you're gonna make one movie and someone's gonna see it and it's gonna do really well and it's gonna you know promote your career and you're gonna make bigger and better movies. each movie you're gonna make a you know a better movie. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work like that. Um, I think what happens is a lot of people look at James Wan, they look at James Cameron, they look at some of these bigger directors who just had you know, one huge hit and it just catapulted their career. And they think that they can do that. And the problem with thinking about doing that is that basically movies, you're going to work with hundred people during the process if you have a production studio um, all the way through if this is a bigger budget million dollar budget movie that's not an indie film you're going to be working with 100 plus people and each person is going to add their own little uniqueness to the movie they're going to add their own thoughts to the movie it's very collaborative and i do think that a really good movie comes from the team around you know the people that made that movie And it's very difficult to replicate that success because you would have to keep all those people and put them all back. So I think a lot of really good movies, they kind of get lucky. Um, But also if you go back and you look at the IMDb of a lot of these people who are these one hit wonders, they've been doing commercial work. They've been writing, they've been doing shorts. They've been doing all this stuff for a very, very long time. So At that point, it's kind of like, well, it's just the right opportunity comes along, the right script comes along, they get the key actors to come in there and the actors do a great job and it's just a combination of all these things hitting at once that really makes a really good movie for you to try and replicate that success, especially, especially on the indie level. Is extremely, extremely difficult. I'd probably say it's you have better odds of winning the lottery to, you know, go out there and make an indie darling movie that makes a lot of money, like paranormal activity. If you look at the amount of movies that are made for under a million dollars that had either huge box office success or just really highly rated movies for under a million dollar production budget, you could probably count on one hand how many are there. And yeah, Blair Witch, yeah, paranormal activity. But what are the other ones? And there's a lot of people who just don't understand. They're like, "Oh, that looks low budget," and the budget's five million dollars. A lot of Blumhouse movies are like those are low budget. They're still five million bucks. It's the same thing when people say A24 is an indie studio. A24 spent thirty bucks, thirty million on the Bo is Bad or whatever that movie that just came out with Ari Aster. So, so you know, it is what it is, but. To make a movie for under a million dollars is extremely, extremely difficult. Even if you have everything lined up and everything perfect, you know, you're better off making as many movies as possible, get better at this. Um, or at least that's my philosophy.
0: Oh man, shot's fired. Bo is bad. You hear that A24? Let's go. Fisticuffs, baby. Um, well, but what's, yes. The that, what's the name of the movie? Bo is Afraid um but Bo definitely did do bad in the box office and he was 34 million dollars and that is an indie budget according to the Hollywood side of things I apologize
1: Ari Aster I apologize
0: for that well he is you know Ari's listening right now so sorry about that I I do I
1: do respect his work he's one of my favorite directors but sorry about that
0: it's alliteration it happens um we're gonna leave it in that's funny um no one's gonna listen but uh, it is something where, you know, that is the case. And I think the other thing I kind of want to like, hop right into is, is like, I think, again, I really want to stress how opposite this is of any other creative mindset. You know, like this would be like you're a sculptor. And if you wanted to you you, you have one idea, let's say it's like a sci-fi idea or something, you spend five, seven years, you know, developing this concept, but over like a, you you keep getting the budget higher and higher. Most filmmakers think they need to go to the higher budget, get more money, because then, like you said, that would be the big breakthrough. And then they see all that stuff there when really the smarter one would be make a 1.0 version of this. And we'll talk about the 1.0s. But the thing I want to highlight again is like this would literally be like if you're a sculptor and you've never made a sculpture before getting this massive marble thing that you have no experience in sculpting before and saying, all right, I'm going to invest a hundred grand in this block of marble. And even though the block is so good and the block could be, you know, core concept or whatever. So good. No clue how to use a hammer and chisel. You have no clue how to actually be a filmmaker. And it just is going to end up being a waste. Whereas I feel like in so many other art forms, because you can practice, you can do it at a much smaller micro scale that no one ever sees. The hard part with filmmaking is you, you you have to show people you're basically learning in this process. And that's why it's such a bad concept to have such a grand scheme when you should really do these 1.0 versions. You want to kind of talk about how that is so, it, it just feels so off to me with any other aspect of learning a skill in any other field.
1: Yeah, I think... Um... Just to stay with your analogy, it would be like someone trying to sculpt a sculpture, but you're telling them how to do it. So you're going to go out there and you're going to try and hire people to pull a really good slab of marble and you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what good marble looks like. Then you get, you know, the best sculptors and you try and tell them how you want to have this vision of this statue or whatever you're creating in your head. And you're gonna tell them By the way,
0: that sculptor most likely, because again, you know, you might have very talented crews in Hollywood that have a lot of experience and things like that, but that sculptor on the indie scale maybe sculpted like a tiny vase or something, like a short or a music video.
1: So, yeah, I mean, you have this sculptor and you have this beautiful image in your head and you're trying to describe to him how to build this thing. And the sculptor, you know, for whatever reason, they could just be very new. They could be just trying to get some money to, you know, commission a project. And, you know, they're they're sculpting away and then you have to get the ending. You have to get people to come and polish this thing and make it all nice. And you got to hire those people as well. And it gets really tricky when you don't know how to do any of these things yourselves. And that's basically what we did for the first eight movies. I had no idea how to – I had a good idea how to write a script and a good story. And I think that that's the one thing when I do go back and I look at the first eight movies, you can see what we're trying to do there. The general structure of the stories and the uniqueness of the characters in the stories are there. We just had no way to pull that off. And that's kind of scary for me because you have – you know, I have a publishing business, so we write stories. You can be an indie filmmaker and have no idea how to write a script. Now I see this all the time. They're like, bring me a script. Let me see your scripts. Let me see your ideas. And if that's the case, you're going to be in even more trouble because it's the easiest thing to throw someone under the bus is with the script. You can make a movie and you're just like, oh, this movie turned out terrible. It's got bad reviews. Oh, it's the writer's fault. And once again, I think a big problem with the film industry is it's everybody else's fault except for mine. And that is a horrible mindset to have if you're trying to improve. Um, And I think one of the ways to kind of combat that is do everything yourself. Write the script, learn how to film, learn how to edit. When I get bad reviews and they mention you know, acting or they mention production or they mention story stuff, that has nothing to do with the actors or the people who worked on the project. That has everything to do with me. And I kind of go through and I figure out, all right, what do people like about this and what do people not like about this? But with each negative review, it's it's all on me. I mean, I made these decisions. It's not the actor's fault. The actors do phenomenal for once again, it's very, very small budget. And it's very hard to cheat that Netflix look. So I think the minute you put aside your ego is when you really kind of really grow and you can accept criticism Um, i've probably received more one stars than any human in the history of the world with the publishing business and now the film business i have to be well into the five figures of just one star reviews but you know you learn from them and you get better and with each movie look at our imdb ratings for all our movies they keep going up slowly 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 and that's with IMDb's like very not indie friendly waiting system, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but that's another podcast topic. Um, but I think it's just seeing the growth. Myself is the biggest motivator. Seeing the growth from Growing Cabin Thirteen, all the way up to you know the big the Bigfoot Project. Seeing into the forest, into the forest too. And I think you're going to see the transition will come full circle when you see Girl in Cabin 13 to Girl in Cabin 14 and the growth that we've had really in the past two years, which is not a lot of time if you really think about it.
0: Welcome to our 10-part series on why IMBD sucks. That will be a, a podcast marathon there. So, I think what I want to kind of highlight now is the concept of a 1.0. Also, I'm kind of curious when the 1.0 kind of came about because, like, I feel like we were swinging for the fences pretty early on, like the invited and things like that. So, I think we kind of realized the 1.0, you know, was no matter what because of our budget level. But I feel like we started to understand what a 1.0 was. And then I feel like going into Girl and in Cabin 13 was when we really solidified that concept because we basically and we'll go through these in kind of the next episode of what we're learning from each one of what we're trying to do but our first 1.0 was the haunting of the murder house which was basically the haunting of the suicide house while we went from found footage to cinematic that core concept was basically the same and you can eat, literally pull scenes of what we had there um but explain to the viewers out there what a 1.0 means and why it's so important on the indie level to have this concept and also where it kind of came about for uh, DBS Films of, you know, embracing this concept.
1: Yeah, so the 1.0 is just the, the first version. The way I see the film industry or DBS Films in itself is almost like how you release software. You have version 1, you have version 2, you have version 3, you have version 4, you have version 5. Um, you keep getting better. You take the things that people like and, you know, you change the stuff that people don't like. And a lot of indie filmmakers, a lot of filmmakers in general, do not like this. They don't like this. They don't like us doing this. Um, And I've had actors before, especially for Into the Forest uh, 2.0, Horror in the Forest, which hopefully is out soon. um, We're like, why are you remaking this movie? Well, first of all, it's really not a remake. We're taking pieces and uh, story elements and characters that we like from the original and we're making pretty much a completely new story. If you watch Into the Forest and Horror in the Forest, they're two very different movies. And I would reason to say if I gave them different titles you and you knew nothing about DBS, they'd be completely different movies. The same thing with Girl in Cabin 14. It's a completely different movie than Girl in Cabin 13. Yes, there's core elements, yes, there's masked men, but for the most part, the story structure, the characters, everything else is completely different. in the Murder House, Suicide House, you can't even tell that they're the same concept. And I think a lot of filmmakers need to understand this, that as you get better, don't abandon something that sold really well or did really well. So I would take it, take the stuff you want, and then, you know, make it better, make it your own. And the whole goal, my original goal with the first, um, you know, when we first started the movie is to make 12 movies and figure out all right, three or four, because usually it's about 20% of your movies are going to make 80% of your revenue. So it was to make 12 movies and then figure out, all right, what three or four movies worked really well and then make 12 versions of those three or four movies. So like three or four each and not spend the next um, the next couple of years doing. Well, we got to eight and it was just not working. Um, we were making the same mistakes I wasn't seeing any kind of progress and it was getting to the point where the product just wasn't good enough that we can get that visibility for me to get accurate data we just weren't were not we were able to get you know a quality enough to pass quality control to get distribution just get on better platforms um, so we had to make a change and that's when we you know, started doing our, st- our stuff ourselves and we did Girl in Cabin 13 and we've moved on and we pass quality control each time and allows us access to Tubi. We have YouTube now, which is like 500,000 views on Murder House, Amazon Prime, we're a top 15 and all that stuff basically allows us to get more data and more feedback. And that's what we're going to do. And now we're still, I still want to go back and revisit some of the Hateful Eight movies, but- really where we're at right now it's going to 2.0 versions and then probably next year 3.0 versions um you know but we'll see because a lot of the hateful eight stuff we just the budgets for those are going to be massive and we just didn't have a good understanding of scheduling of putting together budgets and shooting stuff that is basically
0: easily shootable for us we were we were so young back then, just wide-eyed children of summer with these concepts. But I think the next thing I want to highlight is why it's so smart on the indie scale is because again, with filmmaking, like it is there, there is such a roll of the dice, there is such a swing at bat when it comes to what the algorithms like, what people will like, and again, we do the best things we possibly can. When it comes to setting our movies up for success, whether it's split testing the title, whether it's split testing the cover art, you know, whether it's the massive engines of marketing that we utilize to push these efforts forward that we have with our amazing community. We do all of these things, but to me, it just makes so much sense because you can then take a lower amount for the budget. You can prove the core concept. You can learn, you know, again, what you were saying. We basically see what works, what resonates with people, what doesn't work. And then we always talk about this. After you watch your movie, you immediately see the, all the ways to fix it. They're just, they become so apparently obvious to you as a filmmaker once you're done. And I would argue every single filmmaker out there that sits down and watches their movie will be able to say, you know how I can fix this. So I think it solves... There's so many amazing things. One, it allows you to start with a smaller budget. And if it works, you can scale up and have a, a more successful budget to it. And then if that works, you can also learn from it. And I think what's interesting, the only time you really see this is when it is like a runaway success. Um, so like an in indie filmmaking, Bad bends one that like, I like to highlight where like the core concept was so good. He just made sequels. It's not even what we do with a 1.0 to 2.0, because, again, we kind of make a full remake. But Do you want to talk about how it solves so many things in the sense that it gives you the confidence to put budgets forward in the sense to say, hey, you know what? We can go ahead and allocate more of a spend to this because the idea works, because it's resonating. And on top of that, I just have way more confidence in filming this because we've done it before and improving this because I've literally watched it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is like being able to watch it. And give yourself self-feedback. So being able to watch the movie when it's done. Um, I'm hoping we do a podcast here shortly once whore in the forest is uploaded, um, to just reflect on this movie, what I did well, what we didn't do well, what we want to, you know, kind of take and move towards, you know, whore in the forest 3.0. But then it's also just getting feedback from everyone else. You know, what do they like, what do they don't like? And you can only get so much feedback. Like I try and get as much feedback as possible um, through close people, um, people I trust um, from Kel when we're first doing the rough edits, because it's really hard to get an understanding. If you don't understand how to edit, or if you haven't really seen a movie in like rough shape before, it can be difficult to kind of give your um, opinions on it. And then as we polish it and polish it and polish it, we eventually get a discord cut. And that's when we get most of the feedback and that's the first time that I get the feedback, but those people are our fans. They like our stuff. So they're most of them are just like, this is the best movie I've ever seen, um, which doesn't really help me too much. It's the same as asking your mother or your family, like, what do they think of the movie? They're Like, oh, this is great, honey. You did excellent. The real fun reviews are the Amazon reviews because you know the way we market is we're putting these movies out there to people who usually only watch 50 million 100 million dollar budget movies and they're watching this because are right next to top Gomer and right next to you know uh megan right next to all these big horror movies and all of a sudden they haven't seen a movie made for under 5 million dollars before and they see this and our trailers are very clickbaity our headlines are very clickbaity and people love cabin so they click on it and then all of a sudden You know, it it becomes an issue. So it is what it is, but um, getting that feedback is super, super beneficial.
0: Oh, hundred percent. It really is. Again, you make the sculpture, you understand what it is and now you shoot for the same one in the design there. So in the next episode, we're actually going to kind of go into a little bit more details of the movies that we're looking at. And then specifically what we're looking at when it comes to growing cabin 14 and the remake of the, I guess, 1.5 1.5 potentially of what the suicide slash murder house becomes but again be sure to take a look at our discord channel online we make movies for our fans with our fans so if you've ever wanted to be part of the movie making process um we actually have an audition going on right now that you can be part of and again um if horror in the forest is finally out uh 2 or a 1.0 or a remake version of um into the forest we would greatly appreciate that rent and review as it means the world to us. but until then Have a good one, my friends.